I was trying to think what I've seen Vanessa Kirby in before this. And all I could think about was Mission Impossible and Hobbs and Shaw. Genocide, schmenocide. Genocide, schmenocide, that classic line. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Dan Joe Film Show. It's so good to have you with us. Happy New Year. Hope you had a lovely New Year and a lovely Christmas. And here's to a better year than last year. I mean, it's not exactly a tough act to follow. And thank you to all our listeners who are just joining us, but also all the listeners from the past year. We celebrated our one year anniversary a couple of days ago, which is really exciting. So thank you everybody for listening. And as always, he's my partner in crime. He stayed with me through thick and thin, and he's definitely somebody I want to spend one night in Miami with. It's Richard! <laughs> I'll go to Miami with you anytime you want me. If you're, if you're paying, if, if the flights and the hotel and everything is on you, then I'm definitely there, mate. It's all booked. It's all booked. We're going. Yeah. Really? I, I, it's booked? <laughs> really? Right now? I, I, think, I, think, I think you might want to check on that, mate. You might, you might want to uh, email the, the flight provider just to make really? sure. Oh, is there something going yeah. on? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know Trump today has literally announced that all the borders are open, but obviously I think somebody might be taking his job tomorrow and might think that might be a bad idea. So I can't see us in Miami anytime soon. But hopefully... Someday in the future, who knows? Yeah, definitely. Dan and Joe go on tour. That's what I'm picturing right yes. now. It's in like a little red car, you know, looking at the Sunset Boulevard and it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, but how are you, Joe? Because obviously we haven't, we, we've, we've chatted and we've seen each other, but not in person because we cannot, alas. Mm. I haven't seen that. I haven't been able to touch that beautiful beard of yours. Um, <laughs> but um, how, how have you been? How was your new year? Um, and how is your January going? Yes, feels strange because it's been so long since obviously we've done a show and I think we recorded way back mid-December because we were ahead of the curve in terms of recording our Christmas special and our end of year show. So yeah, it feels strange. It's been like a whole month since we've done any kind of show related stuff, which is which is strange. And I've had a bit of a, some withdrawal symptoms, but I'm good. Uh, the break was nice. Obviously, Christmas was very different for, I think, everybody this year. But in, in a good way, in some senses, I guess, it was literally just me and my better half, Hannah, for the, for the whole day. We had dinner and we just kind of sat there and watched TV all day. And luckily, obviously, Disney put Soul up on Christmas Day, so that was like a nice little Christmas uh, day evening film to watch. So it was nice, kind of a lot of relaxing over the two weeks. A lot of food, a lot of alcohol, as is standard. I did have a bit of a hangover the day after Boxing Day because I drank way too much Boxing Day. And yeah, January is going so well so far. Obviously, January I hate. It's the worst month for me because the whole January blues thing and like literally is just dark all the time, pretty much. But it's going okay, and I'm very excited in the show, some of the plans and some of the guests and everything we've got lined up. Very excited for that as well. But um, how has your break been and how was your Christmas? It's been good, you know. I had a little drink. I think we all did. I think we all deserve a little drink yes. over this year. Just a, just a smidge, uh, as my granddad used to say. Yeah, it's been good. Um, obviously, uh, for people who don't know, I'm a teacher. Best job in the world. Wink, wink. And um, obviously, all of our lessons have gone online, which a lot of teachers don't like. I love 
because uh, if, if a kid's being naughty, guess what you can do, Joe? You can remove them. You can just remove them from the meeting. You just chuck them out straight away. No, I'm joking, of course. <laughs> so there are procedures, there are systems in place. No, but you can, you know, you can mute them, you know, if there's a warning or whatever. So yeah, no, I, I'm really, I'm quite enjoying it. Um, I, I am still going to the school because my Wi-Fi is not that great at home. But, you know, just to see the odd staff member walking by, it is strange seeing a school so empty, but it's nice to see faces at least. Yeah. And I think that's why I'd encourage people to do, even though we can't go to many places, go out at least once a day, go for a walk, go for a jog. You know, if you bump into an old friend when you're going for a jog, don't think you're committing a crime, okay? Like, if you say hello to them, I feel like people are very kind of like, oh, I shouldn't be talking to you. But yeah, so it's going all right. It's going okay. But um, good to be back here. I've really missed the show a lot. And it feels just as natural as the first day we did it, which is just over like a year ago. I can't believe it. Yeah, January 17th was our first show. And to think about how it started and where we are now is uh, only good things. And I think uh, we've got, like I said, some exciting stuff coming up over the next few months as well. Definitely. And a very exciting start to the year. It's our first episode and we couldn't think of anyone better to join us for our first episode than this uh, girl. Uh, We're big, big fans of her online. Uh, She's a critic, reviewer. Uh, We see her all the time on social media and we love her opinions on all things film. Please welcome to the show, Amy Smith. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. I love the setup of the microphone you've got there. It's like, it's, yes. give, give me like a Sky Sports kind of commentator vibe. <laughs> I just find it a lot easier than the, having to set up everything. So it's easier just throwing a headset. Simple as that. Definitely. Well, thank you for joining us, Amy. Um, how are you? How's lockdown for you? Because you're currently in Scotland. Yes. Right? So kind of similar to Wales, lockdown till at least middle of February, impacting my job, impacting uni, impacting everything. But we kind of just have to go along with it. And how are you finding uni? Is it been all online from, from last year or have you been able to go into uni? And I was able to go in last semester. I'm not able to this semester and this semester just looks to be something else of overlapping classes, but whatever. You just kind of have to get on a bit and fingers crossed things will be okay. Absolutely. Good spirits there. And um, how, how was your new year? How's January going for you? Obviously a lot of good films out in January, which is not something we can always say, can we? I know we get those Oscar films, but we also get some bottom of the barrel films as well. How's January going for you? Yeah, it's been going pretty well, um, preparing for some festivals and all that. But I think in the UK, we are lucky. We do get the Oscar films quite late. So it's never the dry January that America usually gets. I was going to say that's really good this year because obviously they've extended the Oscars, haven't they, to like the end of April, which basically feels like half the year. You know, we normally associate the Oscars with like the first two months, but it means we have more time to watch Oscar films, which like you said, Amy, we never normally do. It's so frustrating, isn't it? When all the Americans, they get it in like the end of last year and we get all the, you know, the dregs in January, February. So that, that's really good. Are there any Oscar films you're keeping an eye out? I'm still to see No Madland and Sound of Metal, those are two that I'm particularly keeping my eye on right now. Yeah. Definitely. I'm I, looking forward to Promising Young Woman. It's good. Oh, Amy's lucky enough to have seen Promising <laughs> oh, Young oh. Woman. Yeah, yep. yeah, definitely. That is one on my list. But as well, Sound of Metal, I think I mentioned, I've mentioned it on a good couple of shows now. I think I mentioned it. <laughs> this is the problem with COVID. So I think I mentioned it mid-year show last year saying I was looking forward to seeing it before the end of the year. And I mentioned it again <laughs> at, the, at the end of year show saying I'm looking forward to watching it this year. So I'm very, very keen to see Sound of Metal. I can't wait for that one. Hello world, Gal Gadot is here. And Uncle Handsome. Whoa. <laughs> <And> Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Where I love 
is that they can make you feel every emotion. And show you something you've never seen before. I love showing people what a superhero can look like. I like making any movie where I get the throw stuff. I love that I'm finally directing my first movie. I love that I'm finally directing my first movie. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Oh my God, Halle Berry owes me a Coke. I love seeing an incredible story come to an end. Hey, that's what I was gonna say. Whoa, whoa. We're not gonna give away the ending right now, are we? Definitely, Definitely not. I love movies that keep you guessing. Movies that you can't stop talking about. I love making a movie my whole family can watch. I love movies that get you into the action. I love movies because they help me escape. We truly love movies. We do, but what we love even more is making movies for fans like you. Me too. That's what I'm saying! <laughs> You're about to embark on the trip of a lifetime. You can't stop it. Revolution, baby. What you thinking about? The future. I'm getting to the good part. We'll crack on with the show and our news feature uh, on the first episode of 2021 is all about Netflix because I feel like Netflix has been very generous to us this year. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It's the Santa Claus of the year and it's released a teaser trailer um, showcasing all of its uh, release schedule for 2021. I think 71 films they're promising, a film every single week. Uh, we don't know the quality of each film but you know a film every week is really exciting. Uh, we've got films here, uh, The Woman in the Window which I'm particularly looking forward to with Amy Adams. I saw the trailer for that and I was like, oh, amazing. We've also got here Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder's film as well, Red Notice with Dwayne Johnson and Ryan Reynolds. Loads of those big films. And also the best film of the bunch, Kissing Booth 3, that Joe just loves, don't you? <laughs> I, love, I love Kissing Booth. I'm not going to lie, I got very excited when that was was mentioned in it because I think it's the last one as well I mean I yes know, it is yeah right okay so I mean I haven't read the books or whatever that they're based on I can't say you know I, the films have encouraged me to visit the books but for all of their trashy glory I absolutely love the Kissing Booth movie so I'm pumped for a third one especially considering the last one was literally released like not even 12 months ago yet so like, I, I, I'm very excited for that one you are going to cry aren't you it, it, you're just going to be done and you go what am I going to do with my life <laughs> yeah I mean it depends on how it ends I guess and who she ends up with but um, yeah definitely some tears maybe and Amy what about you have you seen the teaser trailer for you know the Netflix they didn't really show too much of each film did they showed like a two second clip but is there any that you're really excited for this year? It's got to be Lin-Manuel Miranda's Tick, Tick, Boom, which I didn't even know was happening. Didn't know it was a thing. But if anyone knows me, I'm obsessed with Hamilton. Also, the fact it's Andrew Garfield in a musical. 
like it's, that's what I just need in my life right now I need that feel good <laughs> feeling right now definitely I'm totally down for that what do you guys think of obviously you know the last year it's been so frustrating because we've had so many delays you know it started off with Mulan and Bond and Qu- A Quiet Place Part 2 and then it just kind of extended some films chose to go on streaming some films have like you know decided to wait longer Black Widow obviously films like that have waited so long what is it like for you guys to have a slate of films and you know when they're going to come out they're going to stick to their release date um, and you've got like something to look forward to every week you know how, how do you find that uh, Amy? Makes it easier to plan reviews that's for sure because <laughs> the whole idea of waiting and waiting and waiting and the annoying thing is even of Wonder Woman I wasn't sure if I was going to get to see it in cinemas or if I'd have to wait a month because of lockdown restrictions I luckily did get to see it but it's that moment of how long how much longer are we waiting like America has Sound of Metal are we going to be waiting until after the Oscars for it? Yeah, that is true. What about you, Joe? Are there any films in particular looking forward to? And, and what is it? Obviously, you said you're, you're so excited for the fact that, you know, you're going to be able to see these films on time. And for us as well as a podcast, it's going to help us a lot, isn't it? With uh, We know exactly what's coming out when. It's a comfort blanket, isn't it? It's that whole kind of situation of regardless of what happens with cinemas, because... I mean, I'm one who's kind of playing it safe. And I personally think, you know, in terms of Bond and things like that, I mean, if we can see it like October, I think that would be lucky. I think that would be great if we could see it October. But I think we've still got a way to go before cinemas are back up and running to the full kind of power of like, you know, three, four releases every week for for sure. So I think regardless, Amy rightly said, in terms of planning stuff for like shows or reviews, written reviews, it is that safety blanket really, because you know you've at least got something, you know, one, two three solid releases, um, you know, for even a, a month, which you which you can look forward to kind of reviewing. And it's great, like Netflix, I mean, the whole lockdown and COVID thing couldn't have worked out better for them, I think. I mean, they, they, they have continued to make such a name for themselves over the past few years, you know, kind of going from that kind of um, Netflix original type of film which is kind of a bit trashy and a bit you know people are kind of looking down on them to suddenly releasing films like Roma and Marriage Story and getting proper kind of Oscar worthy movies out there so I think you know and now they've got this situation where obviously they've acquired Woman in the Window like you said Dan which has been kind of going through post-production limbo for however long and I think they must be kind of over the moon in a way with all this because it's just continuing to bring people in and people are taking to it and they're, they're loving what what they're providing at the moment so yeah I, I i think that they must be over the moon and i think it will be great to have those sturdy film releases that we can rely on i remember you know a couple of years ago when netflix was start to, starting to emerge and people started to really get into streaming the budgets for these films weren't very big at all and now we're in 2021 where not only are they kind of guaranteeing a new release every week but the films they're releasing have really big budgets you know these are some about 100 million dollar films you know like for example red notice with um gal gadot ryan reynolds wayne johnson i mean it costs 100 million just to get those three in it um and like i said zack snyder's army of the dead there are <clears throat> these kind of mainstream blockbusters hitting Netflix so you know it's very strange isn't it to think that Netflix has developed so much and you know become this massive massive streaming site but also a streaming site that that can take on you know cinema releases as well. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think on the other side of that, it should be interesting when we're all through this and we're out the other end to see how that affects cinemas. And it is going to be that whole strange feeling of obviously everybody kind of looks forward to that summer blockbuster season. And I've got to say, I was really grateful for Netflix last year for their summer movies. I thought Extraction was absolutely brilliant. I, I even really liked The Old Guard. And I know a lot of people give mixed reviews to that, but that was a little kind of injection of like a summer blockbuster movie. So I, so I appreciated that. Um, so it will be interesting to see how you know, it impacts cinemas on the other side of it. Yeah, like you said, it is going to be strange to see how cinema recovers from this mm-hmm. and when they do reopen and, and whether, you know, distributors and production companies actually follow suit and they go, well, when is my film going to get released? Let's just throw it on Netflix. Who knows? Who knows, everybody? Right, should we move on to some reviews now? And oh, quality in January. Mwah, mwah, it's so good. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, well, we'll it's, see. It, it's good on the whole. And like always, we have these Oscar films that are coming out right now that could be award con- awards contenders. Uh, but this is a film that might not be an awards contender. So this is um, Blythe Spirit. And talking about delays, this film has definitely suffered um, a bit of delay. Um, it was supposed to come out last year, in October, November time got pushed back um, and they just eventually decided to release it uh, because it's so good. It's such a high quality film. They were just like, people need to see this right away. Um, and it's now been available on Sky Cinema. And if you, if you take yourself back to The Secret Garden, they did that with that, but they had that kind of a joint theatrical and then Sky Cinema release. This is just available on Sky Cinema from last Friday. And uh, this is a, a remake of the famous play uh, from 1941, which I've not seen. And it's been brought back a couple of times. I know Jennifer, Jennifer Saunders played the lead role in it. And this is starring Dan Stevens, Leslie Mann, Isla Fisher, and Judy Dench. Story is Dan Stevens is a writer. He's struggling with writer's block. And so he decides to hire a seance, played by Judy Dench, to attend his kind of multi-million dollar uh, mansion. Uh, she does a, a, a seance and she brings back his ex-wife, played by Leslie Mann, uh, much to the disapproval of Isla Fisher, his current wife. Here's a clip. It seems to be the trouble, old chap. I've been commissioned to adapt my novel for the screen. But the words have dried up. I need divine intervention. Mesdames et messieurs, bonsoir. Tonight, I will use my precious mystical gift. I've got it! I'd like you to conduct a seance at my home. This Thursday. The moon is full and we must harness its power. Perfect. But Madame is a fraud. You said so yourself. It'll be superb inspiration for my new screenplay. Is anybody there? Oh, is that you, Maya? My spirit guide. She was Tutankhamun's wet nurse. I do hope she's not still lactating. (laughs) Is there anyone on the other side that you think of? Elvira, his dead ex-wife. I shall have to go into a trance. Hello. You're dead. <laughs> the ghost of my first wife is here with us in the room. Surely you can see her. She's standing right next to you. Are you drunk? Who's she? My wife. I'm your wife. Not anymore. Can he by any chance touch her? I sincerely hope not. It's not a coincidence that you haven't published a word since my demise. Finish the first act of my screenplay. 
Elvira, help me. She's dangerous, Charles. You're the one I know. I haven't the foggiest idea how to send her back. You're in trouble now. To true love. True love never dies. Something must have gone hideously wrong. Yes, not for the first time. Something took place. I can feel it in my base chakra. Probably trapped wind. So that was a clip there from Blythe Spirit. Now, I didn't know what to expect with this. I've never seen the play. I'd seen the trailer and I was just expecting to see this in the cinema, but kind of glad I didn't because I don't think I would have been very happy if I had to pay £10 to watch this, to be honest with you. First things first, I don't think this film was horrible. I don't really like hate this film at all. I think it's harmless. There were moments I chuckled, I can't deny it, uh, mainly from the supporting cast. I thought the supporting cast were great. Dan Stevens, as always, is so competent in whatever he does. He really gives it 110% here. I also really like Judy Dench in this. I think she, she has a nice little kind of sub plot involving a former lover from the war. Uh, that does feel very rushed, but I, I appreciated her in this film. I thought she was very cute. And the fact when she's like in her bed with, you know, snuggled up, I was like, oh, you're so cute, Judy. So I thought she was great. Um, Leslie Mann steals every single scene she is in. She was like the light and joy of this film. Without her, I don't know what I would have done. Uh, but she's so sassy. She's so charismatic. She really fits this role so well. And I love the chemistry between her and uh, Dan Stevens to the point where I felt so bad for Isla Fisher because every time she kind of came in I was like go away go away Isla Fisher we want to see these two and again she's just either miscast in this or she's just given not a very good role she doesn't get to chew the scenery the same way that Dan Stevens does and Leslie Mann does and Judy Dench does so that is a real shame but I chuckled a couple times here and there I thought it was kind of light and, and, and frothy and just very kind of mediocre viewing uh, for a Friday evening. If you've got nothing else to do, put it on. If you've got Sky anywhere, you're not paying, paying any extra for it, really. So I thought this was harmless fun. I kind of enjoyed certain elements of it. I felt like the third act was very rushed. I, I don't know what happened there. It just kind of it didn't know quite how to end. It was very directionless for me. Um, so yeah, I thought this was fine. Uh, what did you guys think? Amy, what did you think of this? Yeah, I feel like this had all the elements to be really good, an incredible cast some amazing set production designs, a good story, but I completely agree the final third is completely rushed. I think that's the most compelling part of a film and it's done within like 20 to 30 minutes and that could have been a movie in itself of which it's where it's trying to go in the direction it's going to take. But for me, this is just a movie of wasted potential. It was harmless, it was fine to watch, but bland and forgettable and I'm never going to go back and click on it again. No, it's a very January movie, isn't it? Even though it didn't really mean to come out in January, it's kind of fate. Joe, what, what about you? We, we, did you approve of this? No, I didn't. <laughs> and I think, um, I, I mean, I, I envy your chuckles, to be honest, Stan, because I don't think I chuckled once. I, I just found the whole affair just really boring. It just absolutely bored me. And I, I think it started off promising you know, with, when they go to the the show where they see Judy Dench and she's kind of hovering up above and then the wire snaps and then she falls. And I, I thought that was quite funny. And then Leslie Mann shows up. She does the seance and Leslie Mann appears. And there's this whole kind of funny sequence with Dan Stevens, you know, is confronted by the ghost of his ex-wife and he's talking to his ex-wife, but his current wife 
thinks he's talking to her and she's getting confused as to what he why he's seeing these horrible things and i thought that that's that's quite you know amusing i guess so even though it didn't make me laugh and then that happens like a second time a third time a fourth time and after like the fourth scene where he says something you know to his dead ex-wife and somebody else misconstrues it as directed towards them i was like this is just boring this is just you know td it, it does it's not going it didn't really go anywhere as you said the third act it's very strange because it does seem to like linger for like the, the better part of the film, just kind of going through the motions of repeating the same scene after same scene, just rejigged a little bit. And then they totally rushed that last kind of um, third act, as you said. And I think for me, it's a shame. It could have gone much darker towards the end without spoiling it. Leslie Mann obviously um, gets a bit fed up of, of, of her uh, former husband and tries to kill him. And I think that whole kind of angle of it is is the part I was really interested in. And I think if they've gone and maybe a bit darker with that element, then maybe that would have, you know, kind of given it a bit of an edge. But as it stands, I just thought it was very, very safe. Leslie Mann, for me, steals the show. Her outfits, her costumes, as Amy said, the production of it is probably better than anything in the film itself. I loved Leslie Mann's outfits. I thought she was absolutely fantastic and she brought a, brought a real energy to the film and it, you felt like of all of them she really got the source material and she, you know if you saw her on stage you'd be really happy with her performance but everybody else I thought was a bit weak I think it's fine like you said there was nothing in it which offended me I didn't watch it and go I hate that film but I was constantly finding myself reaching for the phone and you know that that's a dangerous thing when a film isn't grabbing your attention to that extent so a bit weak for me and I think we've had some we reached out as well to some people yes. on Twitter so we've had some responses and we Dan we have indeed yeah thank you so much for your spot everybody it's really really great so we've got one here from Ellie Fitz with some lovely wasp emojis next to it oh I hope I don't get stung Ellie <laughs> Um, I've seen it on stage. She was interested to see this film. I'm a huge Judy Dench fan too. I think it was quite enjoyable, albeit a bit corny, but I think if viewers are new to the story, they may not appreciate it. Easy watch though. Thank you for that. Jane Falconer, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Uh, it was awful and not a patch on the Rex Harrison version. Watch the original one instead of this rubbish. The only good bit was the Jodwins, the gorgeous house it was filmed in. Thank you everybody for getting in touch. Yeah, so, and, and that goes to show, I think, a lot of people can appreciate the production um, as Amy was saying um, and I think it does look good it looks it looks it looks fine and the production is great and the costumes are great but it is definitely something sorely lacking I would be actually intrigued to watch some of the earlier adaptations to see if, if they are any better Let's move on now to our next film that we're going to talk about. And this could potentially be an Oscar contender. I mean, this is Pieces of a Woman that came out just over a week ago on Netflix. And I know it's been circulating uh, the film festival circuit. And who would like to discuss the storyline behind this? Yeah, I'll take this. Pieces of a Woman, directed by, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, uh, Cornel Mundruxo. Stars Vanessa Kirby and um, Shia LaBeouf. They're the kind of two central leads in this film. And Vanessa Kirby plays Martha, a young uh, mother. She's due to give birth. 
there's a whole 20 minute sequence at the beginning which is shot as if it's in one take I'm sure it definitely wasn't but it's a kind of one take shot uh, you know akin to things like 1917 and she is going into labor it's a home birth that she wants to uh, go with and the midwife that they plan to use isn't able to come so they uh, a kind of stand-in midwife arrives at their home who they're not really familiar with they don't have any confidence in at all needless to say something goes wrong I won't spoil too much although you could probably gather what goes wrong and um, the rest of the film is uh, a kind of story about this young woman and her partner dealing with grief and how grief can kind of come between people and how it can affect not just the people solely affected by it but those around them as well here's a clip she has to pay for her incompetence is this about money no is it is it about what, what people think it's about you it's about you having to face this i am and... facing this i am facing it well, I don't think you are. We need, we need some justice here. No, you need. That is what you want. That is what you need. That is, that is your way. That is not my way. That is what you need. Martha, if you had done it my way, you'd be holding your baby in your arms right now. You know what, you, you're ashamed. You're so ashamed of me. You're ashamed because I failed. Oh, what a disgrace. Oh, what a disgrace. I failed. Initially, when the reviews started coming out about this, I was very nervous to watch it. I'm not going to lie. I waited a while to watch it because I knew just from what people were saying that I needed to give the film my whole attention. I needed to give it respect and, you know, because it's dealing with some hefty themes and I didn't just want to watch it on an evening where, you know, I was just going to be flippant about it and not really kind of interested. So I waited until the right evening. I sat down, kind of gave it my full attention and I was very worried because from what I heard that those th first 20 minutes, the first kind of act is, is very tense and difficult to watch. And, and it was it was very difficult to watch but like you said Dan because you messaged me actually and you said stick with it because I think you'll be pleased with it in the end it is a fantastic uh, piece of viewing I think Vanessa Kirby for me she steals the show absolutely 100% and for me it is a film which is kind of built around Vanessa, Vanessa Kirby's performance I think the writing is there there are some um, great metaphors all the way through it Shia LaBeouf's character in it he, we meet him at the beginning and he's like building a bridge and all the way through the film we're constantly going back you know over the course of a year to see the progress of this bridge being built and that's a really great metaphor in terms of what the film is trying to achieve trying to put across you know this journey that this uh, woman goes on to building that bridge to close the distance between her being in denial and her finally accepting the the trauma of what happens to her so the, the script is there the script is fantastic it is tense it's not cheery at all nor should it be dealing with the subject matter that it deals with but for me Vanessa Kirby its performance is just outstanding because I was trying to think what I've seen Vanessa Kirby in um, before that uh, before this and all I could think about was uh, Mission Impossible and Hobbs and Shaw 
Genocide, smenocide. Genocide, smenocide, that classic line. And I thought, wow, like what next level stuff from Vanessa Kirby. And I know she's been in The Crown. I think I saw the, her moments in The Crown, her seasons, because she's not in it anymore. She's been great in what she's been in. She's got that spark. She's got that fun quality to it. But I've never seen her like, necessarily in this type of role. So for me to see her from go to Hobbs and Shaw to this, I mean, incredible. Her performance is outstanding and just layered and just so deep and you really feel the pain of this character through her performance. Obviously, the less said about Shia LaBeouf, the better. Obviously, they were planning Netflix to do a big campaign for him to win, you know, kind of be nominated for Best Supporting Actor, which they quickly kind of reeled back in and, and put to one side, rightly so. And I've got to say, this film does no favours for his character either in real life. Um, you're not going to watch this and go, do you know what, maybe he's actually a nice guy. You know, he, you're not going to get that at all. But it is definitely Vanessa Kirby's film. Um, she is terrific. She definitely deserves all the buzz which is coming away. I can't judge just yet whether or not she's going to win it because there are still a number of performances I haven't seen but I think she's tremendous and her alone is worth watching uh, this film for but it is a beautiful film and really really uh, enjoyed it what what about you Amy what did you think yeah I really really loved this one and now back you up on Vanessa Kirby I have seen a large majority of the contenders and she's still my favorite performance I don't know what's going to take and same with Ellen Burstyn I think her role as well which I don't think you Mm -hmm. mentioned was so impactful especially when you learn a big like moment in like the middle of the film apparently was all ad-libbed there was no script she just came up with that on the spot apparently Really? Which makes that scene even more impactful for me and the level of talent that she has. I think the message was really well communicated. I was worried in the middle that it was going to go a certain direction, but there's like a court case scene near the end, which reels it back to the main focus of the story. And that scene hit me incredibly hard. And there's not much I can say. I really did love this film. Were you worried at all that... I mean, I had this conversation, and this is another great thing about the film as well, because me and uh, my my better half watched this. We had lots of conversations after it, you know, and that's a sign of a great film when you when you talk about it for ages afterwards. Now, I'm not sure if you, what your concerns were. My concerns were that it, the the direction it was going to go down was going to be a reconciliation, perhaps, between her and um, Shia LaBeouf's character and I'm glad that it didn't necessarily go down that road because I think you see him do some pretty horrible things through the film and I get it it's a it's a it's a study on grief and people react in certain ways when they're dealing with grief but I couldn't see how they could have brought that kind of relationship back from where it kind of turns midway through the film so were you concerned at all that they were going to kind of go down that road of bringing those two back together I was and it was also her relationship with her entire family Mm. that I didn't want that to be focused I wanted the focus to be on her dealing with the grief of her child and it does lose that focus a bit in the middle but they bring it back to the child right at the end and I think that was the important thing yeah definitely what did you think Dan 
Yeah, I completely agree. I really love this film a lot. And I think going in, I had heard so many different things and I thought it was going to be a really hard two hours. I better get the scotch. I better get the vodka. But uh, what all I needed was a cup of coffee because I, I found it to be upsetting. I found it to be very difficult, especially in the first 30 minutes. And I will just say this film for me feels like a film in thirds. I think the first act where obviously the tragedy happens Oh, gripped me and captivated me. I, I, my, I honestly, I think my, like, I didn't even breathe throughout the first thirty minutes. And then the title comes up, and you go, oh, oh, I need to go to the toilet now. <laughs> yeah, so I love the first thirty minutes. I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a moment where your heart just sinks, and oh, it just took me on a roller coaster ride. The second act for me, it kind of lost its way. I felt like there were scenes that were shocking for the sake of being shocking, let's just say. And I totally agree with you, Joe, with Shia LaBeouf. This is just, this is almost like foreshadowing. This is almost like they knew on set what was going to happen. And they were like, we are not going to paint you in one good light whatsoever. In fact, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're going to really show a really horrible side to you. Yeah, you're totally right. The, 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 sh the shining star is Vanessa Kirby. She's incredible. Such a great screen presence. And also we have these Oscar performances where there's that one scene where they shout and they point their fingers. We don't need that here. She has this emotional vulnerability, this kind of subtle nature to her performance where it comes in short bursts. You know, you see her kind of break down in one scene, then kind of shouting it. And it's very short. You know, we don't have that big Oscar moment where she just cries and shouts. And, you know, it's kind of that sustained all the way through, which I really, really loved. So the first act was fantastic. The second act, I kind of found it, I questioned some of the decisions that the characters were making. There's a horrible scene where Shia LaBeouf just throws the board and I'm just like, okay. And I just didn't quite understand where the direction was there and what they were trying to achieve. But then the final act comes in and I loved it. And I, I agree with Amy, the way they ended it and they kind of returned to the, the source of the, of the film and what the film was about. I thought the court case was beautiful, mainly because it was short. I hate films where it's like a 40 minute court case sequence at the end and you go, here we go. I feel like I'm here. But the way it ended, I thought it ended absolutely beautifully. I think this is a really powerful, engrossing drama. I think it does lose its way in, this, in the second act for me personally, but 100% I agree with you. I think if Vanessa Kirby doesn't get a nomination, it's a crime. And it, if she doesn't get a win, I'll be very, very shocked because she really deserves it now. And I'm with Amy. I don't know whether I'll see another performance this year as good as hers. Because, yeah, she's just, her performance is just incredible. And how she showcases her vulnerability is just very special to me. I don't think I've seen another actress do it quite like her. So, yeah, I love this film to bits. I thought, you know, aside from those odd scenes in the second act, I definitely go and check it out on, on Netflix for sure. Moving on now to our final film, and this is One Night in Miami. This is directed, interestingly, by Regina King, who we like a lot, and we know you know her from more as an actress, and this is kind of her directorial debut, and she's also in, in Beale Street Could Talk, and this film reminded me a lot of that film, and this I'll, I'll get to that point. a fictionalised meeting of four very iconic people. Uh, we have Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown and Sam Cooke, obviously Malcolm X, kind of the political activist, uh, Muhammad Ali, the boxer, Jim Brown, the NFL player, and Sam Cooke, who's a soul singer. And they end up meeting together in a hotel room. And from then we kind of see conflict, we see drama, we, we see kind of uh, racial tensions really building in America at that time, and how each man kind of approaches that and deals with that in, the, in that moment. And, you know, we see them, these four characters, and, and how the the events are true and they're inspired by true events, but obviously their meeting is fictional. So it's a really interesting kind of study of, okay, so they didn't actually meet or we don't know they actually meet, but how can their lives intertwine with each other? How can they learn from each other? And here's a clip. 
Yes, yes, Cassius Marcellus Clay is the new heavyweight champion of the world, boy. Yes, he is. And I don't even have yes, a scratch on my face. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Cash. Cash? What? Cash, what? Why am I so pretty? Oh. <laughs> and I'm only 22 years old. There is no way I'm supposed to be this great. Look, Alexander the Great conquered the whole world at the age of 30, and yeah. I conquered the world of boxing at 22 <laughs> without sustaining so much as a scratch. That's right. Oh. There he goes. You do the math. All right. When, when is this party going down? Yeah, that's a good question. What's on the agenda, Malcolm? Well, I thought this would be a wonderful chance for us to reflect on what's happened tonight. Like our young brother said, there's no denying that greater forces were at work. You mean, no one else is coming? Well, rest assured, my brother, you're not missing anything. So there's a clip there from One Night in Miami. I just finished watching this. I watched it today. Um, nothing like last minute, is it? Um, and I definitely think this is a lovely um, kind of contrast to Pieces of Woman. Um, this is, I hope, going to um, bag a couple of Oscars, uh, potentially, or at least a couple of nominations. And mostly, for me, I just found the performances were right at the centre of this film. I've got to be honest, I think Regina King has got a lot of potential. I don't think, for me, the directing and kind of the story arc were the main focus for me of this film. I felt like the performances did it all for me. And interesting enough, I mentioned If Bill Street Could Talk, which Joe and I have seen. And the one criticism I had of that film was the beginning sequence with the family in that room. And we both went to each other, we went, oh, can you imagine if there was a film with these characters and it took entirely, it was set entirely inside one singular location. And this is what she does here. And I didn't know where the story was gonna go. I didn't know whether they were gonna actually leave the hotel room and go party. That's what I would have done. But it does, a lot, I think about an hour, an hour and 10 minutes take place inside the hotel room. And again, I just think the performances here are absolutely incredible. Joe, I, I know um, you, you're, you're a really big fan of the, of the actor that plays Sam Cooke. For me, it's Kingsley Bernadier who plays Malcolm X. I thought he was excellent. And I think the movie does a really, really nice job of exploring his challenges and his kind of vulnerability uh, and the fact that he was at the forefront of this movement, but he was also, you know, terrified for his life and his family's life as well. And also just the kind of his attitude towards it. I think he was very kind of a, for kind of a forceful, kind of aggressive um, in a good way, you know, um, how he kind of led this movement. He, did, he didn't take any prisoners. He said, there's a great line in the film where he says, You're right, you know, we need, to, we need to draw the line in the sand. You're either on with us or against us. And I really liked how they resolved that. I thought it was really kind of mature uh, and showed a different side to this argument um, because I think it would be very easy for Regina King just to kind of power through it. So I love that. I think the cast are great. I think Eli um, Jory is great. Um, Aldous Hodge, Leslie Odom Jr. Just the four of them together, the chemistry, the rapport they have with each other in this room makes it an entertaining watch for me. Do I prefer it to Piece of Woman? No, I think for me, Piece of Woman just kind of captivates me a bit more, just with the subject matter and the material, because I don't feel like it's been done as much as other themes. But I definitely think this is going to scoop some awards. It deserves to. But for me, especially for some you know, best supporting actors potentially here, because they were really excellent. Uh, what about you, Amy? What did you think of this? Yeah, it's been a while since I've actually watched it because I caught up with it at the London Film Festival, but I did really enjoy it coming out of there. I will agree the direction doesn't stand out for me. I understand the screenplay was written just as a screenplay potentially for a play, and it does come off that way of a whole one room. There's nothing 
special about it. The screenplay is fantastic and it's written by Kemp Powers who is actually the co-director and screenwriter of Soul. So if you really like Soul, it's a good comparison between that as well. For me, the standout was Eli Gorey. Uh, he was a standout for me, but I do see Leslie Odom Jr. with the year that he has had and how incredible he is throughout being the one that goes and gets a nomination and goes all the way. But no, I really did enjoy it. I didn't know where it was going to go and I think the way it ended was really suitable and yeah I think I did enjoy it see I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the odd one out here because I, I personally thought Regina King did a fantastic job of directing this it was actually like my my first note was I couldn't get over you know how good a job um, she did with it uh, the, the direction of it and I think it's a combination really is that one-two combination of of the director and the writer as you said Amy Kemp Powers is fantastic and I think the, the thing I really liked about it as you said Dan it's entertaining Obviously, this is, again, dealing with big themes, uh, civil rights movement, uh, racial injustices and, and everything like that, which we have seen, you know, a number of times um, in the past. Um, but what this does really well is it packages it in a very entertaining way. And I think Regina King and Ken Powers, they do bring a sort of lightness to the subject matter. It's tense when it needs to be. The stuff between Malcolm X and Sam Cooke, that for me is the anchor of the story between those two kind of discussing Sam Cooke's responsibility in a place of power to use that to further the cause and to fight the injustice. And I thought that that central anchor was fantastic. But I think, you know, it, it is entertaining. And I think that those first opening, you know, moments, because like, I think it is about 20 minutes maybe half an hour before we get into that room I think it's got an energy about it I just really love the energy that first fight that we see you know with Muhammad Ali and I've got to say Amy I definitely agree I think uh, Eli Gore is, is absolutely fantastic as Muhammad Ali I think he is terrific and he really really impressed me just in his mannerisms and the way he spoke I thought he was tremendous and just yeah just the opening fight sequence with him and there was a really like um fantastic sequence where Jim Brown goes to see like a neighbor and he, he you know everything seems nice and innocent and you know he's he's there talking to his neighbor and then it ends on like a really shocking line when you really kind of see what this neighbor truthfully is like and I like that I like they had a kind of lightness to it and then all of a sudden it sort of pulled the rug from beneath your feet and go well you like that conversation between him and his neighbor well this is what the neighbor really thinks of him you know so I, I gotta say I, I, I was really impressed with Regina King and I can't wait to see what she does going going forward and I hope she does direct a lot more films. I just think, like you, like you both have said, the performances are absolutely terrific. I think the, you know there's not a performance to fault throughout it. Really, they're they're all terrific. The writing is there, and there is always that worry when you see um, a, an adapted screenplay of like a of a stage show where everybody's in one location. You do kind of go, oh, is this going to be just really dense now with just people just talking nonstop? Is it going to be really dense? But I like the fact that um, it has got that energy. It has got that chemistry between the actors, which, which kind of keeps you intrigued and keeps you engaged with the film. So I really like this and a lot more than I thought I would, to be honest. And yeah, I, I hope it gets a few nominations, but we'll see. Yeah, brilliant. And I've got, um, it's been a long 
Yes. <laughs> see, I love Sam Cooke anyway. See, I, I love his music. Like for me, I grew up watching a film, a family film for me was In a Space with Dennis Quaid. I'm not sure if either of you have seen that, but a fantastic sci-fi movie from the 80s. And it's got a Sam Cooke soundtrack. So ever since then, I've just been obsessed with his music. So that was great to see as well. Well, there we are. Um, One Night in Miami is available on Amazon Prime now. And that's all the uh, reviews we've got for today's show. It has absolutely flown by. A massive, massive thank you to our guest today, Amy Smith. Amy, before you go, can you just tell us where uh, people can find you on social media? And you mentioned that you had some festivals coming up. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so you'll probably see on my Twitter, I'm going to be overworking myself because I have the Sundance Film Festival, the Glasgow Film Festival, and South by Southwest, all on top of uni work and trying to keep up with Oscar stuff because that's what I like to do on my website, all on top of running a podcast, writing for other outlets. Honestly, it's a good job I'm in lockdown and I can't get to work. So <laughs> I'm going to be using this time online. And if you want to keep up with all of that, I am at Films with Amy on Twitter. Brilliant, absolutely. And enjoy the festival. Are there any films you're looking forward to? Do they announce the, fe- the films beforehand? Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes, yes. So That's excited the main for that one. one. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. And the other standout for me will be Coda. And that's mainly because it's got Sing Street's Ferdi Walsh Pilo in it. And I am obsessed with Sing Street. So anything with him in it, I will check it out immediately. Amy, you are a lady of great film taste. <laughs> this is why we had you. We always yeah. look for the people with a great film taste. And you, know, you, you didn't disappoint. And a great film poster. We said it when she just joined. I, I didn't even say hello, Amy. I went, oh, eighth grade poster in the background. <laughs> yeah. <that> <laughs> oh, uh, thank you again, Amy. And please make sure to go follow her on Twitter. Um, and that's all we've got time for on today's show. A big thank you to Joe, my partner in crime. Hope you have a lovely, lovely week, Joe. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. And thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, Don't forget you can catch all of our old episodes. Uh, We are on Mixcloud, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, all good um, podcast services you can listen to us. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook under the Dan and Joe Film Show. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DJ Film Show. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's uh, film releases and anything really film related. Uh, And we've got an exciting announcement to make, haven't we, Joe, before we leave? We have, yes, for our next show don't forget to join us on our next episode where we'll be joined by the directors of synchronic which is due out on the 29th starring anthony mackie and jamie dornan uh, the directors are justin benson and aaron moorhead and they've just been announced as well which i'm very excited about as the directors of um the new moon knight uh, marvel series with oscar isaac so we're going to try and get as much information as we can although i'm guessing very little information about that uh when we uh, interview them in the next few days so uh, keep an eye out for that episode in the in the coming week as well absolutely it's all very confidential isn't it you have the agent in the back going i'm sorry guys we can't discuss this it's information <laughs> um, but we are going to squeeze them guys we are going to get out of them and i'm so excited to talk to the duo they're a fantastic team so yeah make sure to listen to that and thank you again for listening and we'll see you all very very soon thanks a lot bye 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 <laughs>